all you beautiful creepsters. This is Beth from PA. And this is Colby. And we just want to remind you that you are so loved. You are listening to a Paranormal Chicks. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 84. And you just heard Beth and Colby. Oh my God. So sweet. Y'all did so good. And I needed to hear that. I know, right? I feel like is the moon in the seventh house? Is Jupiter aligned with Mars? Something. Because something's up. I feel like it's been heavy lately. You see what I did there? It was lyrics. Yes. Yes, I did. But... Thank you so much, Beth and Colby. Y'all did such a great job on that intro. And like I said, we really needed it. If you want to do an intro, you know the drill. Head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, you ready, Freddie? The first one says, Hey, Donna, Lil Donna too, Carrie, and all that listen to the podcast. I hope this email finds you all well. Here is one of my sinister sightings experiences, though I wouldn't say it was particularly sinister, just a ghost encounter. Ever since I was a little kid, I have enjoyed people watching. I'd spend hours just watching people walk up the path beside our house. I was a little curtain twitcher in the making. I used to see this old lady, approximately middle-aged, though I never saw her face. She always wore the same clothing. She had wild black hair, which was never tied back, a black shawl draped triangularly over her shoulders, and a long brown skirt. I thought nothing of it. Early one summer morning, I woke up to use the bathroom. Everyone else was still fast asleep. The day before, my mom had gone through all of my siblings and my old clothes and bagged them up to go to charity. They were piled up on the landing between the downstairs and the upstairs. The bathroom was diagonal to my bedroom, so I'd walk a few steps towards the stairs and turn left to the bathroom. On this particular early morning... While I was still half asleep myself, I saw the same woman, whom I'd seen many times before, walking up the path beside our house. I couldn't see her face as she was sitting on the bags of clothes, staring down towards the bottom floor. And from where I was standing, I was facing her side on. Her long, wild, thick black hair hung down her shoulders, covering the side of her face. She was wearing the same outfit as I'd always seen her in when she was walking up the path beside our house. My first thought was, how'd she get into our house? The doors were locked after all, and as far as I knew, my parents had no connection with her. Well, little Logan just about fear sharded. I bolted into the bathroom as fast as I could. I was petrified and wide awake by now, although the woman did not appear threatening. After my trip to the bathroom, I ran to my brother's room, not looking behind me at the stairs. I woke my brother up and told him. He got out of bed and checked with me to see if she was still there. Of course, she wasn't, and my brother was convinced I was playing a joke on him, or I'd had a bad dream. He went back to bed annoyed, but I was so petrified, he let me sleep in his bed beside him until it was time to get up for the day. Fast forward almost a decade later, our lives are very different. My siblings and I had all moved out of the house and lived with my mom. My dad still lived there since my parents had separated. 
My mom was in the midst of a mental breakdown. My dad was suffering from kidney disease and had lost one of his kidneys. My sister had ran away and gotten to drugs. My brother was going off the rails because of all of this and having a hard time in school. Me, I was just the quiet voice in the corner, traveling between my parents to look after them as best as any young, almost teen could. One day, my dad and I were shooting the shit chatting, and he mentions he had this weird encounter while leaving the house the other day. He said this woman, possibly a traveler, though he wasn't sure, had approached him and started talking to him. She asked him about our family and mentioned things to him that he had been thinking about in relation to our family situation, worries, stresses, etc. Things he had never shared with anyone. He started describing what she looked like, and before he could finish, I asked if she was wearing a brown skirt, a black shawl, and her hair black. My dad looked at me puzzled and asked how I knew this. I told him I have seen her many times walking up the path beside our house, and then one time in our house. My dad thinks we both saw the same ghost of a woman who lived in a nearby village of Mid-Calder, the path which I would see her walk up heads in the direction of this village. Her name was Lizzie Bryce. Lizzie Bryce was born in 1776 and was later thought to have been one of the Calder witches, though she was in fact not a witch. Here's a link to the information of the history of the Calder witches and Lizzie Bryce, if anyone's interested. Anyways, I have more shorter stories to share, but this email is long enough for now. Apologies for spelling and grammar errors. Thanks for reading my story, and I hope y'all enjoyed this tale from Scotland. Cheers, Logan. Absolutely enjoyed it, and we're not sharing that link because I'm going to research that. (laughs) (laughs) Selfish. That's right. (laughs) Y'all have to wait. I wonder what made her decide to talk to your dad then. Like, she had made no verbal contact, no help eye contact with anybody up until that point in your family that you know of. I wonder what made her just decide, like, all right, time to talk. Maybe they didn't have, like, stress or... She didn't feel the need that they needed to talk. Except for the parents were separating, so. But then they were separated, and so he was stressed and everything, and so then she was there for him for that. You're right, you're right. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. (laughs) This one's called Living with a Spooky Mom. Hi, ladies. I've been listening to your podcast at work. You make me laugh, cry, and get full body chills. Your laughs are the best. I think I'm on episode 77, so I have long ways to go. Oh, goody. I'm writing to tell you about living with my mom as a kid. She had psychic abilities that were quite incredible. I'll leave the first time I found out about her abilities for a later date. I thought I would start with a spooky, funny story first. I think I was about 15 when this happened, so a long time ago. My mom, Sally, had a dear friend that everyone called Tootie. Her real name was Marion. What is this? The Facts of Life? (laughs) I laugh, but uh, I've never watched that. What? Mm -mm. It's just the fact of my life. Never watched it. Oh, bunch. (laughs) Tootie lived in the upstairs of a really old farmhouse. I mean, old as fuck. After all, this is New York. And it was converted into two apartments. The owner was an elderly lady that lived downstairs. Tootie asked my mom if she would come up and do a Ouija board session as weird things were happening in her apartment, mostly sounds, and she would find something small misplaced. Nothing she was afraid of, but she was just curious. Mom was always careful with the Ouija board. 
And she would place her hands on it and say things like, we come in peace. We mean you no harm, blah, blah, blah. Smart though. So they start the session and I'm an observer. The planchette starts to move in a circular motion. Of course, we ask, is there anyone here? And it starts to spin and move in figure eights as if it's dancing across the board. Uh-oh. Can you tell us your name? It spells out Bobby or Billy. I can't remember which. Old age is setting in. At least you didn't say Robert. Or. Mm-hmm. Z-O-Z-O. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was going to say. Me mm-hmm. too. Well, it continued to dance across the board. How old are you? Five. And he continues to dance for a bit, but doesn't really answer any more questions. And my mom thinks it's just because he was too young to know how to spell. He continues to dance for a bit, and then it slows down and stops. So my mom says, is there anyone else with us? And we all jump out of our skin because at that moment, the elderly lady downstairs yelled, Marion! Up the stairs. We laughed until we cried. So we think it was just the little boy being a bit mischievous, moving things around and making noises. This was one of many memories I had with my mom. I lost my mom at a young age. She was only 58 in 1996. But I know she's with me. I smelled her perfume a few days after we bought our house, and the fact that I think of her every day or think what would mom do lets me know that she's watching over me and my family, and that is yet some more stories to tell. Creeping it real and living my best life in upstate New York. And yes, I don't mind if you use my name, Kelly Sweet. Man, the timing on that neighbor. That's a pretty good observation, though, about your mom saying that the little boy might not know how to spell. No, I thought that, but then I was like, or it's probably just something pretending to be a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just assumed that that's where this story was going, (laughs) and then it didn't. I was like, wait, wait, he was real? Like, he was legit a five-year-old? Right. Hey, Carrie and Donna, I'm one of your youngins. I'm 16, so please don't mind any spelling or grammar errors. I took the opportunity of quarantine to binge all of your episodes, and I'm finally called up. So I decided I'd email y'all and tell y'all my experiences with a haunted house in my hometown. It's called Higginbotham House, named after the former residence. The house is now our local library. They were a couple of the founders of our town. When they died, they left a large chunk of their fortune to the town, And they are the reason our high school and tiny 3,000-person town have thrived. Even now, years and years after their death, we are still using the Higginbotham Fund to improve the town. However, the Higginbothams have a bit of a dark history. Mr. Higginbotham was known to be a KKK member, which is part of why our school mascot is the dragon. The Higginbotham house is supposedly haunted by both the ghosts of Mr. and Mrs. Higginbotham and those poor spirits that died in the alleged torture chamber in the basement. It's said that you can hear screams down there at 3 a.m. They now hold children's story time in that very same basement. I have been in the basement and the entire time I felt as if I was being watched, the uneasy feeling, etc., Aside from the basement, the first floor, the second floor, and the attic are all haunted. The first floor is where the library is, all the books, etc. 
When I was little, I lived only a couple of blocks away, and I would ride my bike to the library and read all day. All right, Matilda. I remember occasionally feeling very uneasy and like I was being watched while I read, along with books sometimes falling off the shelves as if they were pushed. On the second floor, there are several rooms for holding meetings, studying, and stuff like that. I was in one of them one day studying for a school project with some friends, and the items kept sliding off the shelves and onto the floor. This, along with that unusual feeling of uneasiness and being watched, scared us out. Finally, the attic. No one is allowed in the attic. But from the window outside, you can see that the attic light is always on. Sometimes you can even hear footsteps stomping around up there. My boyfriend has had even freakier paranormal experiences. He and a friend were walking by past curfew around 2 a.m. Like usual, the attic light was on. He said as they walked by, three figures came out of different parts of the house and chased them all the way down the block. He said they looked like normal people but were somewhat translucent. He didn't give me any other details because it scares him to talk about it. Let's go from the Higginbotham house to the high school. There are tunnels underneath the school. These aren't even alleged tunnels. I've seen them. To get to the tunnels, you go down to the middle school girls' locker room. The middle school and the high school are the same building, which are in the basement. At the bottom of the stairs, you can either enter the locker room or another door next to them. Through this door is a really old, dirty room with a huge tunnel inside the brick wall on the right side. When I was in middle school, I was locked in that room by some classmates, and it was the scariest five minutes of my life. That room is pitch dark except for a little light bulb in the ceiling. And the room is so big and the ceiling is so high that there isn't enough to light the room very well. There are also abandoned desks and chairs in there that add to the creepy feel. The whole time I was in there, I felt uneasy as fuck, and I actually saw a shadow person in the far left corner of the room. He was darker than dark, and I could feel him staring at me. Longest five minutes of my life, y'all. These tunnels tie into the Higginbotham house because they were allegedly built by Mr. Higginbotham. Rumors say that he had tunnels running underneath the town for his secret meetings in the late 1800s. These are all rumors and stuff I've heard and seen from living here about my whole life. Sorry for the lengthy-ish story. I absolutely love your podcast and can't wait to continue listening. Thank you for all the work you and Will put into this. Creep it real, Josie from Colorado. I love it when y'all shout out Will because we love him. Me too. Like I was like, oh... He's the unsung hero of this podcast. That's the fucking truth. <laughs> also, fuck those people for locking you in that room. Right? Do you want to give me their names and I will get somebody to take care of them? <laughs> and does anybody want to take care of some kids for me? <laughs> right? Because I don't know people. Mm-mm. Like, have your people call my people, but uh, I don't have people, so here's my phone number. Right? Oh, my gosh. Also... I hate that the Higginbothams have such a cool fucking last name, but they're terrible people, allegedly, Mm -hmm. that tortured people. Mm -hmm. Like, you have such a cool, like, fun name. Yes, that's what I take away from that story. I'm not surprised. (laughs) Here's a question for you, Carrie. How would they lure you to stay in that room? Student loans. Are you kidding? 
No, if you were her age. God. Free college. <laughs> <laughs> no, they that was still, uh-uh. If you were her age, you'd be like, no, I'm going to get a scholarship. No, I knew I wouldn't. <laughs> Oh, they had to tell me there was a boy in there that liked me. Right. I'd be like, a boy? <laughs> Same. It'd be like seven seconds in heaven. Seven, seven minutes. minutes. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, that's seven seconds. All you need when you're that age. Oh, God. Why are we so, like, golly. But literally, it would just be like, there's a boy. And me and Carrie would fight over it. Have I told y'all about the time that we went to New Orleans for my uh, 21st birthday? Jesus Christ. And <laughs> this is this is Carrie's sinister side. <laughs> um, I really hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't noticed that me and Carrie are really competitive and we always want the same thing. And so, both hello boy crazy. Yes. However... I really wanted the spot on this bed, but she wanted the spot on the bed. <laughs> but I, being the evil mastermind that I am, was like, oh, okay. So I went and looked at the door through the peephole, and I was like, oh, there's some there's some hot guys walking down. Carrie, <laughs> like, what is it, 11 lords leaping? She fucking went over there. I was like, where? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, up in that spot then. Oh, God. And then she tried to, like, bounce, like, tried to push me <laughs> off. And then she fell between the crack. Oh, y'all. It was a sinister sighting. Maybe you it was actually. You did not tell that <laughs> last part very well because that shit was fucking funny. Look, after I, I, like, run to the door to look out the people. And Donna's like, there's <laughs> 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 the place in the bed. Gets all comfortable. And I turn around like, you motherfucker. And so I run to pounce off of her and I bounce off of her like we're wearing one of those fucking sumo wrestler things and go flying over the bed in between the bed and the oh wall. Oh my God. In the crack. Oh, fuck. So you were like 21. Yes. Oh my God. But why am I evil? I don't know. I ask myself that every day. <laughs> I was like, hmm, what can I do to get that spot? Okay. Like, go to the door, look through the people, and be like, ooh, there's some hot guys walking. <laughs> Carrie, my, my trusted sidekick, Claire. <laughs> Spidey senses are gone. Me, Shaggy and Scooby over here. Good guy, looking for a snack. Oh, my God. This one's called The Hell Factory, a.k.a. Silent Hill. Hey ladies, it's Tequila. I hope you're surviving this quarantine. I know you help keep me entertained. I just want to say I know this story is going to sound crazy, and I don't talk about it that often. Mainly because it's so crazy and out there that I feel most people won't believe it. Sometimes it's hard for me to even believe all these years later, but I'm comfortable sharing it here. So here we go. It's a long one, and I'm sorry for that. If you recall my other story I submitted about the creepy little ghost girl, you know that I had friends that lived in Arkansas and we were always getting into some very scary situations. This story takes place in that small town in Arkansas as well. I was 18 and we were all kind of bored and trying to figure out something exciting to do in the middle of nowhere on a Saturday night. My friend Alex, not his real name, told us about a factory in town that had recently shut down and was for sale. On a previous night, himself and a few of our friends had went there, so we decided a little B&E on a quiet Saturday night was just what we needed. I'll try to explain how we got into the factory as clearly as possible. 
So the building was huge, about 6,000 square feet. And on the back of the building, there were these large square exhaust fans. And I don't mean the air vent duct system that typically runs through the ceilings of buildings. These were ground level and were like five by five feet. So we removed one of the grates off the vent and crawled in. I say crawled, but you had to hunker down, put your arms in and walk more on the outside of the duct because the metal was thin and not very supportive in the middle. I don't recall every person that was with us, but there were about eight people, including myself. Alex was our ringleader, and he was playing the role of tour guide, walking us around the building via a flashlight. Now, at first, nothing seemed weird at all. We were all just goofing off and having a pretty good time as a petty criminals we felt we were. The factory used to be a furniture factory, so there were desks, a few old computers, wooden pallets, and just random things lying around. So we're about halfway into this massive building and we reach the bathrooms and more so the storage area of the factory, as opposed to the assembly line floor. One of the guys got a fire extinguisher off the wall and for some reason felt it necessary to spray all the rest of us with it. So we were all hacking and coughing from the dusty weird liquid that came out of it, but this is where things changed. The fun and goofy vibe that we had all been feeling just disappeared. It felt like we were being watched and I just wanted to leave. It wasn't fun anymore. It's like an unseen line was crossed. But everyone else was like, well, the factory goes around in a circle, so we're already halfway through. We might as well continue. Bad idea. Maybe the worst idea we've ever had. So there was a section of the factory that was wall-to-wall wooden pallets that were stacked about six or seven feet high. There was an area of pallets that kind of had a walkway, but you kind of had to walk sideways. Even myself, who at 18 weighed 120 pounds. I was in the middle of the group, so a few of my guy friends were in front of me and a few behind. Then, all of a sudden, my friend James at the back of the line started yelling to run. At the same time, we all heard a loud crash. We looked back and the pallets were flying off of each other behind James by an unseen force. So we all ran into this weird little storage room. It had a big sliding metal door, like a pocket door, but massive. The room had walls, but the wall and door didn't go up to the ceiling. It was just odd. So we slammed the door and tried to catch our breath. Now, I want to mention a few details that I found odd in this room. One is that half of the room had a chain-link cage separating the room in half. Within the caged area was a little bathroom, just a sink, toilet, and mirror. There was also a weird wireless thermometer in the room that, when we first picked it up, said it was like 180 degrees in the room, which it was not. And we noticed there was water lines running directly next to the electrical lines, which I feel is dangerous. So one of the guys, we'll call him Brian, went into the bathroom. About 30 seconds later, he screams and runs out of the bathroom and slams the chain link door to that weird caged part of the room. He then tells us that he was drawn to look into the mirror and then a dead, decayed woman's face appeared in the mirror as if she was looking back at him and then appeared standing behind him. So Alex was working out where we were in the factory and figuring out the best way to get out. But in this thought process, he grabbed my arm all of a sudden and said, look at me and don't look down and move slowly towards me. 
I was freaking out and crying because I didn't know what he saw. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. Then he threw the door open, still holding onto my arm, and we all took off running, following Alex to lead us out of this hellish place. We get to the area close to the duck that we used to get into the factory. But I stop as something on the floor catches my eye. I shine my flashlight down, and there are weird footprints in what looks like white paint all over the floor close to the duck that were not there before. These footprints only had two toes. Think of a foot with only a big toe and a pinky toe. And they were small, like four inches along. Alex grabs my arm and we all shuffle through the duct and James is the last one out. He's an extra large pizza, so a little slower than the rest of us. I feel James. Mm -hmm. James is definitely me in this. Be like, just go save yourself. Well, James screams and Alex goes in to pull him out of the duct. He said that he did slip and hit his knee at the entry of the duct, but something grabbed his leg and tried to pull him back into the factory. We leave as quickly as possible and go to the local gas station. So I ask Alex what he saw in that room and why he told me to move slow and acted so weird. With tears welling up in his eyes, he tells me what he saw. He said that he happened to look down towards the ground and saw something in the corner but couldn't tell what it was. Well, apparently when I stepped back towards it, when Brian ran out of the bathroom screaming, it moved and was in a hunched over position. Think if you were sitting in a corner with your knees to your chest and your head between your knees and sits up and he couldn't believe what he saw. It also sat up in a slow jerky kind of motion like they do in the horror movies. It was two to three feet tall kind of humanoid and looked like it had been skinned, like just muscle tissue showing. Oh, God. Mm. And it didn't have a face. But not like Slender Man doesn't have facial features. It looked like someone took an ice cream scoop and scooped out the front half of its head. Oh, gosh. It also had that same weird two-toed feet that matched the weird footprints we saw on the way out. He said it was reaching out to touch me, and he didn't know what would happen if it did. Nothing like this or anything creepy happened the last time he was at the factory, so it seemed like I woke something up when I went with them. This is an aside, but going back to that story that she told the first time about the little ghost girl, Mm -hmm. shit happened that second time that she went with them, too. Like, nothing happened the first time, I don't think, and then when she was with them the second time is when... All hell broke loose. Damn. I'll tell you why. Because Tequila does all the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. She collects all the Ouija board and those haunted dolls. She telling all your shit. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. But uh, don't don't vacation with me. Right. (laughs) Okay, back to her story. So my boyfriend and I go back home to Missouri, which is like 30 minutes from Arkansas, and really ride in silence. At the time, I drove a black Camaro that was always covered in dust due to the gravel road we lived on. I promise I have a point here. Stay with me. We get home and somehow fall asleep with no weird happenings that evening. I get up to go to the gas station the next day, and my car is covered with those weird two-toed footprints. And some of the prints were in possible positions, like down the doors of the car. Mm Mm-mm. I know this has been very long. I hope you enjoyed it. Nothing else happened after the footprints on my car. I never went back to the factory, and honestly, I still don't know what really happened. 
or what this little creature was or is. I typically refer to the factory as Silent Hill. I don't know if you're familiar with the games or the movies, but I think that it's fitting. It really felt like we went into a different dimension or something. Stay safe and spooky, ladies. I wonder if the factory is like really old and it was like a kid who worked there. And this was like before child labor laws and stuff and got hurt there. So hence the disfigurement. Ooh, could be. Damn, I don't know. I don't know, but your stories always freak me the fuck out. (laughs) Yes. I mean, keep sending them in, please. Okay, the next one is Motorcycle Ghost and Motherly Juju. Hey, y'all, if at all possible, I'd like to remain anonymous due to a weird stalker situation. That, I suppose, could be a story for another time, question mark? I'm going to go ahead and say yes. But also, uh, please be safe and keep your receipts. I've recently been introduced to your podcast and have been hooked. But I'm bad at being witty and cute, so let's get down to business. (laughs) I have one story that's super short and another that's medium-sized, question mark. Hopefully this doesn't get too long. My first story is a silly short story about a weird mental slash possibly psychic connection I have with my mom. Back in about 2015-2016, I was working night shifts at a fast food chain in the area. And I'm not one to judge, but a lot of the customers we had in that area did not take the best care of themselves. Lots of drug activity, theft, etc. One night, a woman that looked to be a bit strung out was getting a little rowdy in the store, making all of the employees uncomfortable. But my brain, due to being kind of a nerdy shut-in, went straight to making a movie reference about how this lady was acting. And I couldn't remember the name of the movie I was thinking about for the life of me. But I could picture it in my head. When I got home from work that night, I was ready to tell my mom about this crazy woman that had come into the restaurant. But when I came home, the first thing I said was, Hey, what's the name of that movie? And before I could finish asking the question, my mom put up her hand and was like, death becomes her. We used to watch it all the time when you were little. And y'all, I'll be damned if she was 100% correct. I googled the movie and saw exactly the image I was picturing in my head while I was at work. She always had what I like to call her mom juju, but that one still gives me goosebumps to think about. That's like that time that Tiffany and Casey were playing, uh... Taboo. Uh Uh-huh. And was it Tiffany that gave the clue or Casey? Anyway, one of them said, the woman that's married to the guy. And the other one was like, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And it was like, what the fuck? How in the actual fuck? How did that happen? My second story is about a local motorcycle haunting. It was the summer of 2017 and my cousins and I were deep into ghost hunting. We would go to the local cemeteries, haunted friends slash family houses, and even went hunting for a local cryptid. One night, we heard a story about a ghost on a very dark, hidden road in a rural and woodsy area fairly close to us. The story is, back in the 1940s or 50s, there was a young woman who was dating a stereotypical bad boy at the time, and her parents did not approve. So to meet up, her parents would go to sleep and she would flash her parents' car headlights three times while he waited at the end of the road to signal her boyfriend that it was safe to come get her. One night, she flashed the headlights and a speedy driver didn't see her boyfriend on his motorcycle, killing him in the wreck. 
So now it's said that if you go down that road in the middle of the night, flash your lights three times, and turn your car off completely, you'll see a motorcycle headlight come towards you with no sound. We were on the case. After drinking gross amounts of coffee, driving around for what seemed like forever in a car full of people with no sense of direction, we found the road. It was about 1 a.m. We rolled down our windows, flashed the headlights, parked the car, and waited. I shit you not, not even 30 seconds after doing so, we saw a bright light in the middle of the road come towards us. No sound whatsoever. And there was absolutely no way someone that lived there could have predicted when we were going to show up to pull a prank. And the closer the light got to the car, the colder it felt, and our windshield began to fog up despite the windows being down. We started the car and slowly drove towards the light, and it just dissipated. No one was around to be found. We definitely saw the motorcycle ghost and were up all night that night just freaking out. We couldn't believe it actually happened. Sorry if this was a more of a large story than a medium-sized story, but I wanted to share both of those experiences. Keep up all the great work and everything you guys do for us listeners. You guys are rock stars. Creep it real and don't hide your bad boy boyfriend from your loved ones. Anonymous from Ohio. Wow. Also, I felt attacked on the first part where she said, I'm not one to judge, but some of the people, and I was going to say, um... I'm sorry, sometimes you need a midnight snack, okay? And then it was like, oh, okay, never mind. Not what I thought she was going to (laughs) say. I want to do stuff like that so bad, but then I get so scared. Me too. I'm a chicken shit. Hi, I have just recently started listening to your podcast, and I'm a big fan. I listen while I work on my orders. I have a home-based bakery. Ooh, that's right up my alley. My favorite are the Sinister Sightings episodes. I'm from a little town in New Mexico. I want to share my husband's experiences and one of my own. My father-in-law is currently very sick. He has stage four terminal cancer and my husband is back and forth between my in-laws and our house. A few days ago, he told me he was at my in-laws and he saw a girl with dark black hair peeking from the doorway of what used to be his bedroom when he lived at his parents'. My reaction was, fuck that. You have some shit attached to you. He's mentioned before seeing a lady in a white wedding dress when he used to live there and a red hand reaching and grabbing him while he was asleep. Yes, apparently he's very sensitive. He's also mentioned seeing a little boy in overalls standing by our kids' bedrooms and it wasn't one of our kids. He mentioned the girl with the black hair to his brother, and we'll call him D. And D told him the day after he had seen the girl, he stayed at his parents and had a dream about a girl with dark black hair trying to break into the parents' house to get to see my father-in-law. But in his dream, she's with two big men and he shoots her and she vanishes. I'm thinking it may be someone trying to take his dad as he's hanging on to life right now. What do y'all think? I'd like to remain anonymous for their privacy. Love y'all. I didn't think about that, but... Like, it could be someone from the other side, like, coming to get him. That's what I was going to say. Like, you hear stories about people, like, who are about to pass, seeing people in the house, like, that are, that are, they're there to, like, prepare them and all of that. I mean, I don't know how true it is, but, I mean, that was my first thought, was that it was, it was somebody there to, like, be with his spirit 
Yeah. In preparation. You know what scares me? Because I always think of Ghost. I always think of Ghost, the movie, mm-hmm. and those black, like, demon things that come for your yes. soul. I, mm. Ghost fucked you up. Me too, though. That was yes. weird. That part was so freaking creepy. Scary. Yeah, it's like everything else was like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. What? Mm-hmm. Except for the guy that was on the subway that was really mean to him. The go- the subway ghost. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. mean. He was mean. Well, hello, ladies. You can call me Nikki Too Tall. That sounds like a Lifetime movie I watched. It was like Hot Tall Blonde. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. It was, I think, a true story where a guy catfished a girl, like a woman. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm 19 or some shit, like, in the army. You know how they always do. Uh-huh. It's always in the fucking army. But I think he used his, like, old pictures when he was in the army or some shit. But she was catfishing him, too, using her daughter's pictures. <gasps> and so then they met, and I think he ended up killing her or oh, something. Oh, shit. Yeah, I can't remember. But if y'all remember that, anyway, sorry, Nikki Too Tall just reminded me of, like, yeah, I think it was Hot Tall Blonde or something like that. Hmm. I've been following you girls since episode three. Holy shit. That was a good episode, though. That was, I felt, the episode where we kind of hit a strat. And yeah. by that, I mean, we still were awkward as fuck and probably still are now. But yeah, it was like, oh, you don't sound like you're podcasting in a cave anymore. <laughs> that is very true. And also, my weirdness really came out then. It sure did. And I got a chair that wasn't so loud. Oh, Lord. Why? Why did I ever say, oh, a wooden chair. Let me put Carrie's ass in that. I mean, my chair now is still loud, but like that was a whole nother level. Oh, gosh. I have been hesitant to send y'all an email because I'm no storyteller. Dr. Seuss, I am not. (laughs) Carrie isn't either. She cannot rhyme. That girl cannot rhyme. Go ahead. Because we don't have time. However, I can't resist any longer. It's like when you buy Twinkies and you can't wait till you get home, so you open the box and indulge. So sit back, grab a big old glass of milk, and here's your Twinkie. Okay, this person is after my heart because I thought they were just talking about, like, you know, the package of Twinkies, but they said a whole box. Yeah, not just like the little Debbie you get at the store. Mm-hmm. You gotta you go for the big shebang. Yeah, like the hostess box thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I will start off by letting you know that I work for my county's criminal court in Tennessee. It was a normal day at work till one day a gentleman came up wanting to pay his aggravated assault docket. I called for the cashier to help him. He pays on his docket and all seems good. Just then, he turns and asks if he had to continue paying restitution on his docket considering the victim is deceased. How do you know that the victim is deceased? He then said... He just knew. Okay, then we have to wait for the death certificate from the DA's office. Then the judge would declare the abatement of the victim. Then the money, okay, the restitution, would go to her next of kin. Then he says, oh, well, that's my son. So he would be receiving the money that I would be paying? Yes, sir. Dot, 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 dot. Little break here. Did you catch that? The victim's next of kin would be his son. Therefore, baby mama was the victim of his aggravated assault conviction from three months earlier. He's now saying she's deceased? Okay, back to the long story. Trying to make it short. His aggravated assault case was because he shot up her car and he was paying her for the damage monthly through court. 
One day later, he was arrested for the murder of his baby mama, his ex-girlfriend. That's how he knew she was deceased. He killed her two weeks prior to paying on his docket, and his greedy, narcissistic ass wanted to officially stop paying her back for trying to kill her three months earlier. I could go into detail of the murder, but I think I have rambled enough. The saddest part of the story is that he had not seen his son but one time within the last year, until the day he killed her. That little boy, six, was the only witness to the murder. So now, dad is locked up, mom has passed away, and he's with other family members. Through my six years of working there, trust me ladies, I have tons of true crime stories I could send you, if you want. Creep it real, and don't pee your panties. <laughs> um, we need all, all, every last one of those stories. Mm-hmm. And we know who the Pete Your Panties was directed at, just so everyone knows. We know. I feel I feel that shade coming from you. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck that dude, man. I mean, did I mean do you or do you he, he, hmm. here's the thing. I really want to be like, do you really think that people are that dumb to not put the pieces together? You, like you really think that they wouldn't go, hmm. I wonder how he knew she was dead. Like, yeah, people are dumb, but people aren't that dumb. Right. Thanks, BTK. Like, that's that's a level of BTK's stupid mm-hmm. questions. Yes. Send me the floppy disk. I can't trace that at all. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Yeah. I, I just know she's dead. Well, how? <laughs> Who told you? Miss Cleo's been dead, honey. She can't tell you. She was fake anyway. <laughs> Call me now on a fucking Ouija board. They both dead. <laughs> you killed one. Damn. <laughs> Changeling, she's changed into Donna with those notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one is called My Late Night Encounter. Hey, pretty ladies. I've been thinking about sending in some of my stories for ages and finally got the guts to do it. I love how everybody's like, I've been thinking about it and I finally did it because these have been so great. Yeah. I've been obsessed with the paranormal since I was a kid, and I wanted to tell you my first visual experience from the beyond. Insert spooky music. When I was 16, I was sleeping over at my best friend's house. But really, when was I not? At the time, they lived in an older house in the middle of some agriculture fields. It was always so dark inside and so cold. It also had a basement, which was totally weird in California, but her cute brother took it as his room, so I always found excuses to go down there, even though it was scary as fuck. She and I stayed up late, hanging out in her room as usual. Everyone else in the house was in bed. When it came time to go to sleep, I grabbed my stuff to brush my teeth and get changed in the bathroom. Just a side note, because it's important when visualizing this, the house had a laundry room that was pretty much the central hub of the house. If you stood in the middle, one end had a door to the backyard and a bathroom, and at the other end sat a doorway on the left to the bedrooms and the other bathroom, and a doorway to the right led to the kitchen and the family room. If you just stood right in the laundry room, you could look through the kitchen and into the family room. So back to the story. I used the bathroom in the laundry room so I wouldn't wake up her parents. I had gotten ready, turned the light off, and walked into the laundry room. I was making my way when I looked up and slightly to the right, through the doorway, and I saw my friend's dad standing by the couch in the family room, about 20 feet away. 
I could see him standing there staring at me on the other side of the chest high partition wall between the kitchen and the family room. He was illuminated by the porch light shining through the windows. I stopped feeling that uh uh-oh feeling of, I'm about to get in trouble by a parent. And I said, I'm so sorry if I woke you up, Joe. But it was at that moment that my brain started to go into alert mode. This guy is not built like my friend's dad. He's also not the hot brother. I was literally frozen. And I'm that chick that shouts at people in the movies to run. But this chick wasn't running anywhere. The man took a step and his face became clearer. He was older with lots of wrinkles and a horrible scowl on his face. Oh, fuck. He took another step, and I noticed the outline of his body wasn't as sharp as it should be. Another step. Now I'm realizing that he had walked right through the partition wall. I remember gasping, blinking, and realizing that I was now staring into a dark, empty room. The man was gone. I don't know if shock took me over or what, but the next thing I remember is waking up the next morning. Sensing me move, my friend turned toward me with wide eyes. What the fuck happened last night? I choked out a confused answer like, what do you mean? She said I had rushed into the room, grabbed her Bible, and got into her bed and fell asleep holding it to my chest. It was then that I remembered the night before. I told her everything I saw, and I told her I didn't remember coming in the room. A couple of hours later, her mom pulled me aside and said something that made my blood freeze. She said, so you've seen him too? Nope. I could have puked. This family had been my second family since I was two. This woman was a second mother to me. She passed away last year. And I've always sensed that she was sensitive and saw more than anyone else. This still knocked me off my feet, though. She said that she would wake up and find this old man lying on top of her, holding her down. Oh, God. His face would only be an inch away from hers, and he would hiss the whole time. She then told me that my friend's brother was lying in bed, and the office chair at his desk turned slowly, and in the chair was some type of gargoyle gremlin thing. Whatever was in that house was pure evil. I don't doubt that for a second. I couldn't have been happier the day she told me that they were moving. Well, ladies, thanks for letting me tell my scary story. My mom is English, so she has all types of creepy stories. I'll send those over soon. Creep it real, Melissa. I love how it's after you see something that everybody you know is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you saw the thing. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, because they don't want to be weird and be like, this is what I saw and no one else has seen it. Oh, so you've seen it? Oh, now it's already confirmed. Like, okay, here's confirmation. Yeah. Now they're comfortable telling their story. Yeah. Well, I sure am glad that y'all are comfortable telling y'all's stories now because y'all have been kicking ass with these freaking stories. Yes. And just so y'all know, every time y'all are like, oh my God, this is so long, blah, 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 blah. It's not. It's not. And someone wrote in the Facebook group, like, y'all, I love Sinister Sightings. Love the long ones. They're never too long. And so many people posted, like, no, they're never too long. We need them longer. Don't worry about the length. So, seriously, don't worry about the length. Write your heart out. Yes. Tell us all the stories about all your experiences, all the true crime. And you know Donna loves an ambient story. 
Send them into us, a paranormal chicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.